we can actually take more responsibility for our own brains by transforming our minds. That's Dr. Richard Davidson, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happy life. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Monday. I hope you had an amazing weekend and we are jumping right in with this week's episodes. And we're going to be talking about a few of my favorite topics this week. And they are the brain, the mind and the body and how they're all interconnected. And I find it so fascinating that our thoughts have such a powerful impact on things like our health, our emotions, our moods. And our thoughts also have the ability to make us sick, and it could also make us well. And we have the ability to do that, to heal ourselves, starting with our thoughts. So, I'm excited to have some great speakers to delve deeper into all these topics of the brain and the mind and the body this week. And in today's clip, our newest featured speaker is here to start it all off. So without further ado, here's Dr. Richard Davidson. Enjoy. I'm a psychologist and a neuroscientist by training. When I first began my career, I began with a question. Why is it that some people are more vulnerable to life's slings and arrows and others more resilient? And that question is still central to all the work that we do. And we are particularly interested in how we can nudge people along this continuum to nourish and nurture the qualities that promote human flourishing. In the early part of my career, I focused almost exclusively on the negative side of the equation on adversity, on the brain circuits that were important for understanding why some people are more vulnerable to stress, why others may be more likely to develop a depression or anxiety. And then something very significant happened uh, in my life. In 1992, I first met His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And uh, this picture, Uh, uh, of His Holiness was taken in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, he's visited us several times. And he was the chief inspiration in our turning toward the positive. And in that critical moment in 1992, he challenged me and he said, why can't you use the same tools of modern neuroscience to study kindness and to study compassion in addition to studying anxiety and fear and depression and stress. And I didn't have a very good answer for him on that day other than that it's hard. But, you know, when we first began to study kindness, when we first began to study anxiety and depression, that was hard too, and we've made some progress in that area. So 
the work that we and others have been doing is predicated on a critical insight in modern science, the insight concerning neuroplasticity. Our brains are constantly changing, constantly being shaped by the forces around us. But we have typically very little awareness of what those forces are. Our brains are changing wittingly or unwittingly. Most of the time, it's unwittingly. Most of the time, we're not aware, and we also have little control over those forces. And the invitation in the work that I'm sharing with you today is that we can actually take more responsibility for our own brains by transforming our minds. But first, let me share with you what some of the consequences of having our brains being shaped unwittingly are. And I'd like to focus on four challenges that have been critical in our society today. And these challenges are failures of well-being in very important ways. The first is distractibility. Research indicates that if we uh, take people out and about in the world and we text them, and this has been done in a study that was published a number of years ago, very influential study with several thousand people, we text them and we ask them three questions. The first question is, what are you doing right now? And they check off from a list of activities. Second question, where is your mind right now? Is it focused on what you're doing, or is it focused elsewhere? And the third question is, at this very moment, how happy or unhappy are you? Here's what was found. The average American adult spends 47% of her or his waking life not paying attention to what we're doing. Folks, we could do better. And when they were not paying attention to what they're doing, they were significantly less happy. The scientific paper upon which this is based was titled, A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. In addition, there is a huge increase in the incidence of attention deficit disorders in children in this country. This is a graph showing a trend over the last decade. There are many reasons for this increase, but some of them have to do with a genuine increase in distractibility. If we're all honest with ourselves, our nation is suffering not simply from a fiscal deficit, but from an attention deficit. We also are suffering from loneliness. Despite the fact that we're all so much more interconnected, 76% of middle-aged Americans report that they have moderate to high levels of loneliness. And this loneliness is not an ephemeral, subjective state. It also impacts our bodies, our physical health. Recent research shows that loneliness is actually a more significant predictor by more than a twofold magnitude of early mortality compared to obesity. So this exacts real tolls on our brains and our bodies. And again, research shows we can do better. Negative self-talk and depression, we all have a narrative in our mind 
that we carry around about who we are. And sometimes we have negative beliefs about ourselves, which can culminate in depression. And this turns out to be a very serious problem. Depression is on the rise. If you look at trends just over the last few years, what you see is a very large increase, particularly among women. Over the last three years alone, there's been a 33% increase in diagnoses of major depression in women. And this trend is occurring in teens as well. These are disturbing trends in uh, kids ages 12 through 17, and the gender difference also is very, unfortunately, robust, where the incidence is much greater in females, and this trend is getting worse over time. And again, the evidence suggests that we can actually train our mind and harness the power of neuroplasticity to change these, these qualities in our mind. Suicide rates are very disturbing. During the Great Depression, there was a huge elevation, and those rates have come back down. And then since the year 2000, there has been, unfortunately, a steep rise in suicide rates. And again, this is not something restricted to adults. Our teens are showing more than doubling over the last 10 years in suicide, so that today in the United States, unfortunately, more than one teenager every single day is taking her or his own life. There also is a pervasive loss of meaning and purpose that people are reporting. And this loss is not simply, again, a subjective quality, but also exacts a toll on our health and other aspects of our well-being. Research shows that a lack of purpose predicts an early death. In a recent study, people who were in their 60s with a low sense of purpose had more than twice the likelihood of dying within five years compared to people who reported a high sense of purpose. So again, there are intimate connections between our psychological well-being and our systemic health. Each of these challenges affects the mind and the brain. We're not thriving, but the invitation is that we really could be. So we've developed a framework for understanding a healthy mind, and this framework includes four pillars. The first pillar is awareness, and awareness includes the capacity to focus our attention, to resist distraction. It also includes a quality that psychologists and neuroscientists call meta-awareness. Meta-awareness is knowing what our minds are doing. How many of you have ever had the experience of reading a book where you're reading each word on a page? And you read one page, you may read a second page, and after a few minutes, you have absolutely no idea what you've just read. <laughs> that is an example of a lapse in meta-awareness. But the moment we recognize that we've been lost and come back, that is a moment of meta-awareness. And we have reason to believe that meta-awareness is crucial. Actually, it's necessary, we believe, for real transformation to occur. The second pillar 
of a healthy mind is connection. Connection refers to those qualities which nurture harmonious interpersonal relationships. Qualities like appreciation, like kindness, like compassion, having a positive outlook. And again, the research shows that it doesn't take much to start activating these latent qualities which can flourish and become stronger. The third pillar of a healthy mind is insight. And insight is about insight into the narrative that we all have about ourselves. At the very extreme end of the continuum, there are people who have a very negative narrative. They have negative self-beliefs, and they hold those beliefs to be a true description of who they are. That is a prescription for depression. And a healthy mind entails changing our relationship to this narrative. Not so much changing the narrative itself, but changing our relationship to it so that we can look at the narrative and see it for what it is. What is this narrative? It's a constellation of thoughts. And when we can see it as that, we can foster more room, more breathing room, and lead to, and this leads to increased well-being. Finally, the last pillar of a healthy mind is purpose. And here, we're talking about having a sense that our life is headed in a particular direction. And most importantly, it is about taking more and more of the activities in our lives as belonging to this sense of purpose. Can you envision living your life so that taking out the garbage and doing the laundry is still related to your sense of purpose? Being able to broaden it in this way is a very crucial ingredient of a healthy mind. Big thanks to Dr. Richard Davison for stopping by. His website is richarddavison.com. His Instagram is Healthy Minds. And his latest book is entitled Altered Traits. Science reveals how meditation changes your brain, mind, and body. And I'll have all the links to everything in the show description. And lastly, please follow the show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And if you could, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it really, really helps the show. And that's right for me. I will see you back here Wednesday and I hope you have an amazing day. So until then, stay strong. Later.